0: Hey everybody, Zach here. Before we get started with the podcast, I just want to let you know about our sponsor, Anchor. We're new to podcasting here at Salty Saints, and Anchor has made it so easy for us to get started. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast, so let me explain a little bit about it. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything that you need to make a podcast in one place. The best part about Anchor, though, is that it's absolutely free. So if you, like us, want to get your word out there, you want to try your hand at podcasting, make sure that you download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey, thank you for listening to another episode of Salty Saints Podcast. I'm Zach, and I'm sitting here with Randy Spate. He's looking a little sleepy right now.
1: (laughs) I'm I'm cold, and when I get cold, I start to yawn.
0: (laughs) It is cold in here right now. It is cold in Indiana right now, and I don't love that, but that's okay. Uh, It's probably going to be that way for a little while now, so... Chances are, if you're listening to this, you're probably in Indiana being cold with us. <laughs> so, that's right. What are we talking about today, Randy?
1: Well, hey, Zach, over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about a number of things. And uh, one of the thing that seems to come back in quite a few of the podcasts that you've done recently is the idea of uh, relative truth. Uh, we talked about that back when we talked about new ageism you talked about that in uh talking about uh minimalism social minimalisms and then uh you and and jason looked at the pod, uh the documentary called social dilemma that was interesting and there's a lot of reference in there to uh relative truths specifically uh, there's my truth that i let uh, artificial intelligence know what that is by the clicks uh that that uh i register on google or on facebook the things that i'm interested in leads me to a concept of truth and uh what they're doing is just trying to feed that concept of truth so that i'll click on it more and sort of uh Uh, the law of, uh, uh, what is it, unintended consequences. The more I read about that, the more I'm convinced that what I believe is right. And uh, all of a sudden we have two people who used to love each other sitting across the table from each other shouting at each other because uh, they clicked on something different on Facebook.
0: Right. It's like they they keep alluding to this idea that the truth – isn't what you get from what's pushed on you by Facebook. The truth is this objective thing. It's this absolute thing. But we don't get that from our interaction with social media. But the problem is how do they decide what objective truth is? Right. How do they decide what absolute How do we know that there is an objective truth? Or an absolute truth.
1: And I think where where uh, you and Jason ended up is that just sticking with social media and AI, uh, there is no absolute truth. Uh, it's, it's relative. It's what do you want to believe and I'll help
0: you believe more of that. Right. But, I mean, isn't that much of the world we live in?
1: <laughs> Absolutely it is, New Ageism, and, and not only New Ageism, but uh, the whole concept of tolerance kind of starts by saying, I can't really say that I'm right and you're wrong. Right. Uh, you're right and I'm right. And even if we're in contradiction, that's okay because your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth.
0: Uh, sorry, I just did a quick Google search here because I wanted to get this right. Um, teaching the eccentric. Yeah. Uh, is it Baha'i? B- Baha'i, the faith? Baha'i, yeah. 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 That, the, like, all religions are good. Oh. They all teach. It's like. Hinduism,
1: Baha'i. Um, uh- there are religions out there that downplay their role as a religion and say, doesn't matter what you are, just be genuine, be authentic. I mean, that goes right back to uh, Jean-Paul Sartre in in France and uh, uh, the, the whole concept of existentialism. Just be authentic. Doesn't matter what you believe, just pick something and believe it.
0: Th- this is kind of a- attached to that. Um... I think it was Stephen Bancars I heard mention this on a podcast I was listening to recently. But he said um, – I, I think he, he was quoting C.S. Lewis saying that uh, he didn't think that atheism was the great threat to Christianity but that it was Hinduism because Hinduism absorbs every religion it comes into contact with. It just keeps – Growing Growing. and and adding to it, and that's really what New New Ageism is as well. I mean, it's just universalism, Baha'i, you you believe it, cool.
1: One of the worst, uh, one of the most pejorative terms that you can use in the world today is fundamentalist. Uh, There are Islamic fundamentalists, and of course fundamentalism grew out of – Uh, evangelicalism in the early 1900s, a group of theologians got together and said, okay, let's write down the basic fundamentals that we all agree on. And, you know, looking at it that way, absolutely nothing wrong with that. But people have taken that, that. They've taken what the theologians intended. The theologians were intending to say that this is objective truth that we all accept. But today, fundamentalism is the belief that there is an objective truth and that because there's an objective truth, I get the privilege of saying, I'm right and you're wrong.
0: Mm, It's a weapon. It's a weapon, yeah. Yeah.
1: So I thought what we might talk about today is a concept that I first heard about 45 years ago, if you can believe that. That's the concept of mythopoic thought,
0: okay what is mythopoic thought that's a great question. <laughs> I am so glad you asked
1: uh, it's not something that we uh uh talk about uh, uh, commonly it's not a i've I've not heard a rap song on mythopoic thought oh, that would be good <laughs> that would be interesting uh it's a concept that was developed by two anthropologists called um André Frankfurt and his wife, Henrietta, uh, Grunwald Frankfurt, I think was her name, or uh, Grunwagen Frankfurt. So uh, you know, good French names.
0: <laughs> you know, w- while we're we're on those names, did you say Henri, Henri and Henrietta? And Henrietta. Is that not just Henry and Henrietta? Uh-huh. Okay, it sure is. gotcha. Yeah, yeah. That's that's fun. male and female.
1: <laughs> and I love that they hear these French people called. Frankfurt, <laughs> Frankfurt, and Groeneveen, Frankfurt. The, the
0: most German French people <laughs> Boy, that ever lived. <laughs> uh,
1: they wrote uh, just after the war in the in the in the forties, and popularized uh, the term mythopoetic thought. That the the word actually means thought which creates myth, and they tried to describe. The thought processes that went into the creation of myths in uh, prehistoric man. Okay. So what they what they were able to find they looked at myth all around the world. They specialized in Egyptian and Mesopotamian, so that's kind of the biblical uh, worldview, and they found certain characteristics that kind of go into creating myth. And the thing that amazes me is we see those characteristics alive and well today. One of the characteristics is the event is not important at all. What's important are the cycles. Okay. So one of the big cycles, every year you get spring, summer, fall, and winter. Okay. So mythopoic thought looks at that and says – hey, this happens every year. There must be a reason. And so they came up with the myth of Persephone. Persephone is uh, the goddess of vegetation. And Hades, one day, the god of the underworld, uh, he's walking above ground and he sees Persephone, who is, uh, she is just amazingly beautiful, and, uh, He sees her, he wants her, so he grabs her and he takes her, and he hauls her underground. Now, her mother is upset by this and begins to look for her, doesn't know where she is, and it takes several months for her mother to find her, finally finds her, So her mother goes back up to Mount Olympus and talks to the gods and says, you've got to get Hades to release my daughter Persephone, the goddess of vegetation. So they go down, and of course Zeus is Zeus, and he says, you got to let her go. And Hades says, well, she can leave if she stays here for three months and doesn't eat anything. Okay, so that's the deal. So for three months, the goddess of vegetation eats nothing, and what happens? Well, the vegetation dies. It it just goes away. the The earth above ground sort of goes into mourning, and uh, it gets cold. Three months is up, and it's time for Persephone to come back, be released, and Hades sneaks. A pomegranate seed Mm. into her mouth. And she eats the pomegranate seed. So Zeus comes down and says, it's time for you to release her. And Hades says, no, 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 no. She ate something. She ate a pomegranate. Have you ever seen a pomegranate seed? Tiny. They are tiny. They're tasty. They are wonderful. But they're tiny. So in three months, that's all she's eaten. So Zeus says, well... Okay, so she didn't make it all the way, but it's not fair. She almost made it, so here's what we're going to do. She goes above ground for nine months, and she goes underground for three months. So for three months out of the year, Persephone goes underground to be with Hades, and winter comes, vegetation dies. She comes back, and what happens? Spring comes, and We get summer, we get vegetation, we get crops, we get harvests. So it's the cycle, that's the point of all of this. It's the cycle that's important. One of the other um, characteristics of this type of thought is uh, it, it, it seeks to portray a reason why the cycles happen. So you get that? In the myth of Persephone. You get it in uh, Norse mythology. Thor. Uh, Thor's hammer shoots out lightning bolts. Funny thing is the lightning bolts can uh, kill his enemies. But it heals his friends. So the Norse people. They love the lightning bolts. Uh, They're explaining the presence of the storms that are coming around. Some it destroys, but to some it brings the rain and you get the crops growing. Mm. One of the other characteristics of mythopoic thought is the personification of nature. All nature is just another god. Persephone is the goddess of vegetation. Hades is the god of the underworld of death. And so on and so forth. The god of a particular attitude, approach, or action of man, or uh, the god uh, or goddess of something. You get Baal, who's the god of uh, thunder and lightning as well. Um, I think you mentioned in some of our podcasts in the past, uh, some of the Egyptian gods. The Nile River is a goddess. Right, and it gives
0: birth. Each each of the each of the plagues of Egypt were representative of one of the gods of Egypt. Right, they
1: were. They were. Uh, you had frogs. You had uh, insects. You had uh, the sun going black. The rod. sun going black. You had uh, yeah uh, hail uh, uh, storms. All of these were gods and uh, mythopoic thought seeks to give a personality to um something in nature that becomes a god. The gods are just like us. Um, you get Zeus, who it seems like every chance he gets, he'll come down and he'll get somebody pregnant. I was gonna say he's a womanizer. <laughs> he's a womanizer. <laughs> You get Ares, who's a hothead. So he comes down and he picks fights with everybody he can find. You get Minerva, who is wisdom. She's beautiful. So she comes down and people fall in love with her. So they're just like us. You kind of see that in some of the things that are going on today. Uh, some of the New Age stuff comes very close to deifying nature.
0: Oh, it's definitely deifying nature. The, I mean, the the, the central uh, concept of the New Age is that we are all connected to a dormant God, that we are all God experiencing itself subjectively.
1: And we can become divine, just like Jesus well, just, by, just was by becoming, also divine.
0: Just by realizing it. That's all it's about. It's about realizing who you are. You're already God because everything's God. (laughs) It's
1: It's interesting that mythopoic thought uh, exists today. Um, The Frankfurts wanted to say this was a characteristic of mankind way back when. But the more I read about it, the more I'm convinced that mythopoic thought exists today. You get this... Focus on um, uh, sort of the deification of of nature. You definitely have the focus on relative truth. Truth is not objective truth that exists out there. It's your truth is your truth, and my truth is my truth.
0: Hmm. The the thing you kind of a little a little bit ago you mentioned how it was all about cycles. It's all about kind of this assurance they're trying to, to explain away why tomorrow will be like yesterday, you know, like right. what, and you can't do that without a foundation, without a God, without, without an objective reason for why tomorrow will be like It,
1: but if i if i reject that objective reason all i'm left with is something that i can create myself right. and so that's what i do i create something just like me right right that makes sense back in the 70s uh, actually when i i this is a course that i took in seminary the course was called myth and history And one of our textbooks was a book by a Californian anthropologist named Carlos Castaneda. He worked in... uh, uh, He he was studying and doing his thesis in uh, one of the universities in Southern California. And what he did is he traveled to Mexico to find the Yaqui Indian tribe because the Yaqui Indian tribe still had shamans. And he wanted to examine and interview the shamans and talk to them about their worldview. Well, the only shaman that he could find that would talk to him was named Juan. So he wrote a book called The Teachings of Don Juan. And it's this amazing journey of an anthropologist who is trying to get his doctorate in anthropology. And he's writing his thesis on the worldview of this shaman of the Yaqui Indian tribe. Now, the shaman sees Castaneda, and he takes him on as an apprentice. And he says, do you really want to learn? He says, yes, I do. Okay, then let's begin to learn. He taught him how to use uh, a number of different drugs, and primarily peyote seemed to be the drug that really tripped Castaneda. Yeah. So they started with dried peyote, smoking and whatnot, and he would have hallucinations. But during one of his trips, he went outside, found a peyote cactus, bent down and chewed the flower off the peyote cactus, and he was out like for three days. He had all kinds of hallucinations, when he saw Don Juan shapeshift and turn into an animal, his spirit animal. And then Castañeda, I believe, did the very same thing. He turned into his animal. I forget what it was, a crow or, or, a, or a coyote or something. But So when he woke up from this hallucination, this trip, two or three days later, He says to Don Juan, it seemed so real. And Don Juan said it was. Castaneda says, wait a minute, wait. Did that happen or did it not happen? Don Juan said, did you think it happened? And Castaneda said, yeah, I thought it was happening. Don Juan said, then it happened. Mm. See, there's no objective reality here. Castaneda was asking the question objectively, did this happen? He's an anthropologist. That's right. And the response was, relativistically, if it happened to you, then it really happened.
0: That's that's literally like logic meeting the New new Age is what that
1: feels like. It absolutely is. And this, this book is at the beginning of the New Age movement. And it was huge in New Age back in the seventies. He, he wrote three books: Journey to Ex-Tali, and I forget the third okay, one. Okay, I've uh, heard of that. Yeah, I've I've read them all, and they're all very similar. This guy trips, hallucinates, and struggles with is that reality or is it not, and ends up saying it was my reality.
0: Something. <sighs> I don't want to get too far off the beaten tra- path here, but something about people taking hallucinogenic drugs reels them in to that worldview, I think. Uh, I, I
1: think in their mind it frees them up to new possibilities.
0: Well, I think what they experience is just so real they can't shake it. I've watched like Joe Rogan has very much fallen into that train of thought on some level with DMT, the the drug released in your brain upon death. Um, you can smoke it, and you will see things, speak to things, whatever. Now, the Bible calls that witchcraft. Um, <laughs> but my, you, you were the one that brought up
1: that witchcraft in the Bible is actually pharmakeia. Far, pharmakeia, yeah, yeah. Do, doing drugs. Pharmaceutics.
0: Right, do, doing drugs for the purpose of... Communing with something, seeing yeah. something. Yeah. Well, that's that's what you just described, and and I think probably part of the reason we're told not to do that is because it trips up your worldview.
1: Well, so uh, another one of our podcasts, uh, if, if if you didn't look at it, you can go back and look at it. It's it's called uh, the excluded middle. Um, we do believe that there is objective reality out there. Uh, that sometimes I think people who are tripping they experience that objective reality. It's it's not that it seems real. It is real right. to them. And they've opened themselves up to a world that can do them incredible
0: harm. Or spoken to things that have told them lies. You that's, know, that's absolutely the thing. right, yeah. And you come back and you say, oh, the gods told me all the truth. Well, wait, wh- what gods? <laughs> <laughs> what, what did you talk to over there, you know? But, um, yeah, I mean, but what what you're getting at here is – the importance of a standard that truth yes. is based upon. Yes.
1: So that's where Scripture comes in. And this is one of the reasons, I mean, we were talking before about apologetics. Uh, this course, Myth and History, uh, has has given me ammunition to be able to carry into apologetics in this sense. Old Testament literature was written in the midst of mythopoic thought, and if you look at the literature outside of the Old Testament, that's the kind of thing you get. You get creation myths. Um, the gods fought, and uh, in in one of the myths, uh, one of the god who has died is just literally torn
0: apart. Just Marduk and Tiamat.
1: Um, it might be yeah, because I think the, the it is the blood where of the ma- God the blood the of Marduk yeah. becomes mankind. yeah, yeah um one of, one of them I'm not sure which, one of but... them. and you compare that with scripture and the the difference is just so obvious. in the beginning God created Marduk and Tiamat, the heaven and the earth. Um, you get event orientation instead of cycle orientation. The cycle is not unimportant because they got to plant. Uh, they got to know when the rains come so they can plant at the right time. But that's not what's important religiously. What's important is in their religion are the times that God breaks through into the world. It's the times that that which is truly objective, that which is truly transcendent comes into our world and lets us see a little bit of himself. Now that stands out. Right. So you have the Passover where after the angel of death visits Egypt and and kills the firstborn of every man and animal that was not protected by a sacrificial lamb, Moses says, remember that. Do it every year. Every year you have the same celebration. And here's what that celebration looks like. Easter, I mean in the Christian church... We celebrate Easter. Funny thing about a lot of these festivals is they occur at the time when many pagan festivals were held. <laughs> right. This was the pagan festival of the return of Persephone above ground. It's, it's the planting festival, but not in the church. We remember one event. Christ broke through. He destroyed death. Then he rolled the stone away from the grave, not so he could get out, but so his disciples could get in and see that it was empty. And that's the way Christianity is organized, on events, on history, on objective
0: realities. Yeah. Talking about the the way that the the Christian – Holidays are all on many of the holidays that were once pagan. Uh, talking about Hinduism absorbing all the religions of the world, Christianity comes and just erases the old one and takes what it was and makes it something good. That's right. It does. <laughs> it does.
1: It takes the old and infuses it with a new, uh, a new meaning. Wasn't um, "Amazing Grace." Wasn't that a bar tune or something like I don't that? Know. Uh, it, it's something like that. One of the one of the great hymns was a bar song, and uh, they took it. And uh, in our hymnals, it's called a, a traditional melody. Well, yeah, they sang it while they were throwing back a couple of pints. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it's it's like the I, I, I'm making all things new. It, yeah. It's like uh, yeah. God makes even evil work for the good. You know, he's, he's taking something and he's, he's repurposing it to do his will.
1: The uh, contemporary term is relativism. Relativism in our world today is a virtue. Uh, you can't be tolerant if you think you're right and I'm wrong. So somehow we both have to be right. Well, the only way that can take place when we're arguing, when we have two different points of view, is that what's right for you is your right, and what's right for me is my right. Um, I don't know which sitcom it was, but they got down, and uh, there were three people, two of them arguing and one said this is what I believe and the other one said no you're not right, this is what I believe and it was exactly the opposite viewpoint and uh, somebody came along and said uh, you're both right well you can't be right because I'm right well you can't be right because I'm right and the third person said that's right you're both right Accepting the contradiction as if it weren't a contradiction. That,
0: that's so illogical. Yeah. But that's what we've done. I mean, that's what the world has done on so many fronts. This whole concept of just being pleasant rather than being truthful, rather than, than digging to the bottom of, of what truth is.
1: Well, and that's that's really – It's really the reality. it's, It's really what Christians believe. There is an objective truth. And kind of a corollary to that is I don't have all of it. No. I look for it. I try to get it. Sometimes I discover things that convince me that what I used to think was truth is not truth. It may have been a version of truth, but... This is better, and the minute I do that, then I'm saying, and I need to look for the next thing.
0: This is really funny you're saying that because we were talking about the book of Job today. And, I mean, if that isn't a perfect example of, you know, well, I'm pretty sure it works this way, but I don't have all the answers. And then God comes along and says, you're right, you don't, so just trust me, (laughs) you know? (laughs) That's right, that's right. But but we have a God that's foundational that we can do that with. We have a God that is objective that we can do that with.
1: We have a transcendent God that from time to time breaks through in our world. And in that breaking through, he breaks down the cycle of mythopoic thought. Right. We no longer have to be caught up in the cycles. We can look at the event. We can look at the absolutes and recognize that, hey, there are fundamentals there are things that are universally true. That does not mean that what I say is right and what you say is wrong. It means that their right is out there, and we both had better be looking for that
0: objective truth. Right. I mean that—that's what all of morality is based on. I mean, we we can all sit in the same room and. I mean, okay, if you put an atheist and a Christian and a Buddhist in the same room together, chances are they're all going to say it's wrong to kill somebody. Probably, yeah. But they're all going to come to different conclusions on why. Yeah. But at the end of the day, there's only one way of knowing why it is wrong to kill somebody because they can't all be right. They can't all be right. There has to be an objective truth in that room. How do we get to it? That's yeah. the that's that's what this is about.
1: That's right. That's what this is about. So, mythopoic thought. It's alive and well today. You look around, you don't have to look very long to see concepts of relativism, concepts that uh you know the, the Uh, the cycle, what always has been, that's what's really important, just accentuating that and living in that, uh, the idea of the personification of nature, and definitely the idea of relativistic truth. Uh, Your truth is your truth. My truth is my truth. And even if they're different, that's okay because they're both right. One for you, one for me. It doesn't take far, doesn't take long, to see that type of thought in the world that we live in.
0: I think that's fair. So what do we do?
1: There's an objective truth. <laughs> we got to be looking for it. We got to be struggling to find it. Now, some of that objective truth um, is clearly wrapped up in Scripture. I say some. Because there are truths that are out there, uh, scientific things that are going on, that scripture really bypasses. Uh, But these are things which are true. This is uh, one of the things that frustrates me about the age that we live in, because first it was my truth and your truth. So especially coming at the end of an election cycle, we get what's called fact checkers. Fact checkers are now portraying my facts against your facts. Uh, even reality is becoming object uh, subjective. There's my reality and your reality. There can't be. There's an objective reality. Something happened or it didn't happen. We're not a Don Juan and a Carlos Castaneda. If you felt like it happened, then it happened for you. No, it either happened or it didn't happen. We've got to be looking for that. We've got to be looking for those objective things that we can tie on to. If something is objective... I believe that we will find a trace of God in that, Uh a trace of the way that he has created the world, created the universe, put the laws in motion.
0: Or a truth about him. Or a truth about him directly. Because there are objective things that are bad.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: True. Yeah. So in, in that we can see what God hates what God dislikes, you know, it's not always, it's not always, oh, this is who God is. Sometimes it's just, oh, this, this is evidence of God. Yeah.
1: So we've talked about tolerance and we've kind of painted tolerance as something that is not necessarily positive. I want to, I want to visit that before we uh, bring this to an end. Uh, Do you think tolerance is bad
0: necessarily? I don't. Um. I think there, there's a difference between tolerating a belief and enabling a belief. And when you say your belief is just as equal as my belief, even though they're complete opposite beliefs, contradicting beliefs, you're enabling them to be wrong. Or you're enabling yourself to be wrong, depending on who you are in that situation. But if I say I know the truth – this person doesn't know the truth i'm not going to be mean to them i'm not going to hate them for their belief i'm going to tolerate their belief but i'm going to tell them the truth still is that fair
1: oh i think that's a that's a great uh presentation of what i was trying to get at uh tolerance in the world i think by and large means acceptance yes and I don't believe that that's what it is. Tolerance means simply that I will treat you with honor and respect, right. even if I disagree with you.
0: Tolerance is a lot like love.
1: Yeah, it is.
0: Yeah, but
1: that's a really good point.
0: To, I, so, so I think to say you tolerate someone's view, that's to love them. Yeah. That does not mean I accept your view as truth, and that doesn't mean I think it's okay that you believe what you believe.
1: If there is an objective truth out there and it's not what you are expressing and it is what I'm expressing, then absolutely. I am going to try to convince you of that objective truth, not of my point of view, but of the objectivity of the truth that's out there.
0: I I would really – sorry, this is just reminding me of something that I've wanted to do for a long time. I would like to do a podcast on love, on what it means to love someone because we're kind of tiptoeing into the reason why I think that that is a, a necessary thing to talk about. We have confused love and acceptance these days or encouragement these days and they're not one and the same. And so Randy's over here typing right now. He's he's got his little podcast idealist. <laughs> yeah
1: man, that's growing. That's growing. Yeah.
0: But but yeah, I, I, I think you're right. We 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 have to love people. We have to be tolerant of them. But that does not mean I look at you and say, oh yeah, we can all be right. Because that's the pleasant thing to do. That's the that's the least confrontational thing to do, but Christ said that I'll divide a father and a son, I'll divide a brother from a brother. You know, like this, my word's gonna bring division among people, yeah. and so it, it, that should be your telltale sign. If what you're saying is just all hunky dory and nobody in the room's mad at you for it, you're probably not preaching the gospel. <laughs> that's true. That's very just, very true. Just saying.
1: You know, there's a really quick statement that Pontius Pilate makes when Jesus is standing before him and Pilate says, you know, I have the power to kill you if I want to. And Jesus says, "Uh, you don't have any power at all over me. (laughs) He said, the only power you have is the power that my Father gives you. And they begin talking about truth. And Pilate says, what is truth? I think people have been asking that question (laughs) since Pilate, before Pilate, Pilate asked it, since Pilate, what is truth?
0: Am I supposed to answer you right now?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you got an answer, yeah, give it to me because I... (laughs) There's an objective reality out there. That's somehow in my mind that has got to
0: be truth. Well, there, there's an answer. There's actually a, a more straightforward answer. I am the way and the truth and the life. Absolutely. Jesus Christ. Yeah. He is truth. He is truth. In him, you'll find what the truth is. That's not to say that truth doesn't exist in the world in more of a secular light. I mean, like, I know this table is here. Right. I know because I can use logical reasoning because God has woven logical reasoning into creation. But when you start tracing things back, when you get back to the to the foundation of all things, if you find nothing there, you have no objective truth. If everything is an accident, you have no objective truth. But if you, get to the, if you get to the beginning of everything and you find God there, an objective, true, just God, then you have a place to start. You have a place to say, okay, from him I can then reason this much.
1: So the more we wrap ourselves in Jesus, the closer we get to truth.
0: Right. I mean, you, you literally can't have science without God.
1: Science grew up. Uh, in the academies that were founded by churches. Right.
0: And and you will hear, uh, any atheist that hears what I just said would be disgusted, would turn up their nose in horror that I just said it. But at the end of the day, if you could sit down with them for 15 minutes, you would get to a point where they were just talking in circles and never actually giving you a logical reason for where truth comes from.
1: Well, and and the reality is, so many of the early scientists were also theologians right pascal and and even the father of calculus leibniz
0: he was a theologian too he wrote a book on theology right the the, the church handed over science to the secular world i mean that's that's what we did we sh- we shouldn't have but we did um one of my favorite quotes ever uh, jeff durbin was talking i think it was jeff durbin talking about a uh, One of his favorite things is knowing that all of these atheist professors and scientists going into the universities have to walk under archways that say things like, all glory be to God. (laughs) (laughs) Because these institutions were built by Christians, you know, and now it's been repurposed. But at its its root, truth is only existent in a Christian worldview. Okay. Mythopoic thought. Yeah. Summary. Cycles. Mythopoic thought's all about cycles.
1: And relativism.
0: And about relativism. uh, relativism. But Christianity is about objective truth and actual events. Things that happened.
1: Is that fair? That's fair.
0: Yeah? All
1: right. One of the one of the amazing things to me is that a frequent condemnation of Christianity is that uh it's relative. You know, well you believe that. That's okay for you. Uh-uh. That is not at all what we're saying. What we're saying is there's reality. Right. This is reality.
0: And it's your job as a as a believer to be able to give an argument for why it's reality. You shouldn't be listening to this and just think, oh, I'll just leave that to the big dogs. I'll just let the people that want to go learn these big words. I'll, I'll let them handle this. No, it's your job to be able to articulate why it makes sense, why there is objective truth in God. This needs to matter to you. and And you don't have to use all these big fancy words. You just need to understand what they're saying. That's it that fair? Yes. I've asked if that's fair a lot because I'm 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 taking some liberties here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Not everybody is going to be uh, an apologist. No. And that's okay.
0: But you need to be able to. Yeah.
1: Yeah, you need to know the arguments.
0: Right. Right. You don't you don't have to have a passion for it.
1: Point someone in the right direction. Right. And the most important thing you can do is the most important thing that Christians have done throughout the ages love people?
0: Yep. Fair game. All right. Cool. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Salty Saints Podcast. If you like what we're doing here, check us out at anchor.com. Check us out at becomehope.com. And uh, yeah, give us a comment, give us a rating on whatever you're listening to this uh, podcast on. We would love to do some uh, podcasts on topics that our listeners might want to hear. And uh, stay salty. Have you ever
1: felt conflict between your faith and feelings? If so, you're not alone.